as well? Any programmers or anything you have as well? Uh, help me out. That'd be great. Um, but, uh, you know, last week we talked about, you know, loving the Lord our God with all of our heart, mind, soul, and strength. And we talked about loving your neighbors yourself. You know, I'm so grateful for Jesus. And I appreciate Edgar sharing. You know, I, I love that scripture. You know, that's the great thing about the Bible. Is that sometimes when you read the Bible, you're like, man, I never saw that before. Now, I've I've read my Bible, and I've been doing this for 17 years, and so you see certain things, and you don't see certain things, but some of the things that are unfamiliar, you kind of, it's surprising. And so as as Edgar read, I was like, I had an aha moment. Anyone ever had an aha moment? You go, aha. Or it's that cloud above your head. Ding, 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 ding. And you know, when you read 1 John, it says that, you know, God died for our sins of the world, not just the sins of you and me. And I thought that was an aha moment. And and you know, I appreciate God's love because we all need God's love. Our love is so limited. Our love in this room is so conditional. It's almost embarrassing to say we really love when we compare our love to God's love. God's love is profound. God's love is resilient. God's love is trustworthy. God is perfect. And we are imperfect people following a perfect Savior. Anyone need some help this week? Anyone need someone to lean on? Because sometimes you can't lean on me. Now Mo wants to sing the song right now, but we're not going to sing that song right now. But you know, we need perfection. We need love from a source that is going to be trustworthy, that is going to be faithful, even when we're not faithful to Him. And you know, for me, I love God. And the reason why I love God and I have a relationship with God is because God has saved me from so much. What's God saved you from? You know, one of the things in your heart that you're shackled by. You know, we talked about the greatest commandment that Jesus preached about in Matthew, Matthew chapter uh, 22, verse 34 through 40. And, you know, for me, I love it that, that, that Jesus is giving us the greatest commandment. And I'm so grateful that the greatest commandment covers the Ten Commandments. I'm, I'm, I'm grateful that we're no longer bound by law. Now, as a Christian, it's important to obey the laws. Amen? When you speed and break the laws, then things happen. You suffer the consequence, not your neighbor. Not your mom or dad. Now, if you're under 18, it's a different ball of wax. We don't have time to go in there. But, you know, for me, I'm just so grateful for God's love. And I'm really excited today to talk about, you know, we have freedom in Christ. Anyone like your freedom in the United States of America? I love my freedoms. And today we're going to talk about the freedom we have in Christ. Let's go to God, prepare our hearts and minds to receive His Word. Amen? Let's pray. God, we uh, fall short every single minute of our lives. God, we hold on for a day and we think that everything's great. And then the second day we fall short. And God, I'm so grateful that we are imperfect people following a perfect Savior. God, I don't even have it on right. I've been doing it for 17 years. And every year and every day I pass, I learn how much more you're in control and not myself. I need you, God. We need you. And I pray that every single person within hearing distance of this prayer... You would comfort them. You would would minister to them today. That you would speak to their spirits. And you would allow them to be themselves and to come here and have a time of worship and praise to meet the needs of our hearts. We need you, God. This world needs you. And if we don't think we need you, Father, we do need you. And I pray that we would help as, as a brother and a sister, as a friend, as a neighbor, that we would show them what it means to love. We would show people what it means to be like Jesus. And we're so grateful that we don't, are not Jesus. 
that we need Him. God bless our study. Bless our hearts. Bless our finances. Be with our health. Be with, be with those that are having health challenges. I know my heart goes out to Sandy Reed and Patricia McEwen. Losing a mom and a father is, is a challenge. And God, as, as we know, we're imperfect people. Father, we, we thank You that we have brothers and sisters around us that can lean on when we have a hard time. God, strengthen Sandy in great ways and John as they cope, as they mourn. Be with those that aren't here this morning, that they're traveling, that they're not here, that they're sick, that they're having a hard time. I pray that, God, that, that this prayer would reach them as well. The Spirit would warm them and, and know that the, our prayers and our hearts are with them. God, we love you. We pray you bless our time in your word this morning. We thank you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, today, our hearts are no different than the hearts of men when they follow Jesus. I think some of us go, well, I don't agree with that. No, no, no. Our hearts are almost the same. Very much is, is changed from then since from today since then. Now, technology's changed, wouldn't you agree? School systems have changed, wouldn't you agree? The clothing line has changed, wouldn't you agree? I'm grateful I don't have to wear sandals in a row. Although sometimes I wouldn't mind wearing sandals in a row. But I'm grateful that we have different things to, to clothe us with and different things to make us smell better. Amen. Different things that make the brothers smell better. You know, one thing about a young man's sneakers is those just don't get better. They don't smell better. They smell worse the more you wear them. And that's a whole different sermon altogether. We don't have time to go there. But you know, today our our, our hearts are no different than the hearts of people back then. All of us have been or still or will continue to be enslaved or shackled by something. You know, what are you enslaved by or shackled by today? What are, you, what are you enslaved by? What, 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 what do you turn to that, that you look for strength from? And what's shackling you and holding you back from being your best for God? And not just being your best for God, being your best for somebody else. Something shackles us. When we're not doing our best, something holds us back. You know, this month of February is Black History Month. And it's celebrated annually in the United States and Canada in February, and the UK celebrates in October. I didn't know that. I just learned that last night. But it, the remembrance began in 1926 with the announcement of the Negro History Week by historian Carter G. Woodson and the Association of Study of Negro Life and History, a group of which he was a co-founder of. And Woodson chose the second week of February because it marked the birthdays of two Americans who greatly influenced the lives and social condition of African Americans all over the world. President Abraham Lincoln is one, an abolitionist, and a former slave, Frederick Douglass. It's a time to urge Americans to seize the opportunity to honor the too often neglected accomplishments of African Americans in every area or endeavor throughout our nation's history. At different times, we can... Look at it in shame and go, wow, were we that off base that we treated African Americans different than we treat ourselves as another ethnicity? I mean, it almost, it almost appalls me to, to even, even recognize what we've gone through as a country. But we're a young country. We're not very old. We're United States of America. In the 50s, it was you know, whites and African Americans couldn't even sit together. It almost is embarrassing and appalling 
But racism isn't dead. It's still alive in our society. And it's important for us to remember the accomplishments, no matter what ethnicity. But I appreciate Black History Month. I appreciate in the church. It's not a Black History Month in the church. We're celebrating every ethnicity every month in the church. Amen? And I appreciate on Sundays, unfortunately, it's the most segregated day of the year. Of the, of the, of the week, excuse me. It's, it's, it's a shame that people literally are creatures of comfort. And we want to go to with the people we feel the most comfortable. I'm grateful when I came to church here for the first time, it wasn't all white. Because I would have been like, hmm, interesting. And I'm grateful it wasn't all black. Because you would have went, hmm, interesting. Did I miss the wrong place? Isn't that our hearts at different times? Or, wow, there's no Spanish translation. I, I must be at the wrong place. You know, no matter what ethnicity you are or what language you speak, you're in the right place. Because we're a church of believers. No matter what your ethnicity, we're united in Christ. We're not divided. Amen? But you know, I appreciate, you have to understand our past to move on to the future. You have to embrace the pain to get to the promised land. And for me, I appreciate Black History Month, but I appreciate being a disciple that much more. Is that, you know, race does not divide us. It actually brings us together. And you know, as we remember Black History Month, I want us to embrace our past. I want us to learn from it. I want us to eagerly move forward and away from any race being enslaved. Amen? Amen. Remembering that we hold these truths to be self-evidence. That we are all created equal. Remember that? Declaration. We're one nation under God, indivisible with liberty and justice for the white people. No, thank you, Lord Jesus. Spite me down if that's what I think. But I'm grateful that justice for all. We're one nation under God, indivisible. You know, this morning what we're enslaved to or by can shackle and hold us back. Some of you this morning, you're enslaved or shackled by your past. You're shackled by the past. You can't get forward. No wonder you're not growing spiritually. You're holding on to things in the past. You know, are you shackled? Some of you are shackled by your emotions. You just feel so much that you can't change. And everyone's wrong except for Y-O-U. See, the world doesn't revolve around you. Last time I checked, if you weren't here, the earth would still revolve. So some of you are shackled by your emotions. That you think, wow, Doug wasn't there. Didn't you miss me? No, it's not about me. But what are you shackled by? Some of you are shackled by your evil habits. Yeah, the ones that we can't see this morning. But the ones you did this past week. That when no one was there, you did them. See, you know, and God knows what you did. But you're shackled by that. Maybe you're shackled by an addiction. Maybe you're shackled by deceit. You just don't know how to tell the truth. You just got to tell lie upon lie upon lie. You got to get open. You got to get. That's shackling you from being your best from God. Maybe it's an unwillingness to be humble in your marriage. Humble to what God's called you to do in your life. You know, we're shackled by different things, aren't we? Some of us are shackled by our own pride. We can't ask for help because it's a form of weakness. But see, if you know your Bible, when you're weak, then you're really strong. It's not when you're strong, that's when you're the best. It's when you're strong, that's when Satan goes, oh, okay. And that's when God goes, be careful, my son. It's not about you. And your time will come. 
Amen for Edgar being honest, that he's being stretched. You know, maybe you're shackled by old tapes that your old pastor used to say. Or your old minister used to say. Maybe you're shackled by your religious heart. You just look good on the outside, but nobody knows you for the real you. Maybe you're shackled by the behavior that dishonors God. Maybe you're shackled by your desires that harm others. Or maybe you're shackled by your unwillingness to let people in your life. It's all about you. Well, you know what? If it's all about you, just go ahead and get on up and go ahead that way because it's not just going to be about you today. We're shackled by different things that can hold us back. Maybe it's your independence. Maybe it's your inability to love God. Maybe it's your inability to connect with your wife and your husband. Maybe the reason why you don't connect is because you don't share heart, because you don't spend time, because you don't love the way God wants you to love. See, when you don't know, when you don't have a relationship with God, you can't love the way God wants you to love other people. See, relationship is so vital. Maybe, you know, you're shackled by the sin pact in your marriage. Some things that you and your husband just won't talk to others about because of embarrassment. Or maybe it's an immoral relationship. You know, we need to embrace our past. Amen? Amen. We need to learn from it. Eagerly move forward away from what we're enslaved by. And allow God to help us be what we want us to be. Each of us is crying out for help in different ways. I believe we're going to watch a video clip that depicts what each of us is crying out for in our hearts. Take a look. I do see that the cargo weight changed. They reduced the poundage, I think. That's all. Please. You know, I think you can't help but feel emotion when you watch that video excerpt. 
But see, I, I believe a lot of us are crying, give us free from whatever you're being enslaved by. You're crying inside, give me free. Let me just be open. Let me go. Let me free. Let me, let me be flying like a bird. And here he was, give us free, being held against their free will because they were an item purchased from somebody else. And that movie is called The Amistad. If you haven't seen it, it's a great movie that depicts reality. But here, I'm not here to give you heavy hearts. I'm here to understand, really deep down in your hearts, you're asking for, God, give us free. My lesson simply entitled, Freedom in Christ. John chapter 8, amen? The Bible says in verse 31, See, to the Jews who have believed Him, Jesus said, If you hold to my teaching, you're really my disciples. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. They answered Him, We are Abraham's descendants and have never been slaves of anyone. How can you say that we shall be set free? Jesus replied, Very truly I tell you, Everyone who sins is a slave to sin. Now a slave has no permanent place in the family, but a son or a daughter belongs to it forever. So, it, so if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. Now this scripture is so profound. A lot of us have read it time and time again, but at different times we only read verse 31 through 32. We don't continue reading until the end of 36. The thing I love about Jesus is that the Jews, they believed in Jesus. They had a form of godliness with Jesus. But Jesus tells them that if they hold to His teachings, then they're really His disciples. See, what what does it take to hold on to something? You know, so much regret, it takes a lot to hold on to something. to, To really live by it. You can't just hold on to something loosely. And read it once a week and think you're holding on to the truth. Now I'm not saying legalistically you have to read the Bible every day. But I'm saying in order to hold on to Jesus' teaching, how often should you read it? As much as possible. If that's every day. Amen? But it's important to see that Jesus' spirit is that we've got to hold on to the teachings to be Jesus' followers. Then and only then will you know the truth. And then when you know the truth, the truth will set you free. See, the question is, do you really know the truth? Do you know the truth? Do you hold on to it? Well, I don't read my Bible. So that doesn't mean you're holding on to the truth. No, it doesn't. So it's time to let loose that shackle. And be honest and willing to admit you need some help with your spiritual life. Give us free. But you've got to make the choice. I can't make it for you. None of us will ever be free until we find a relationship with Jesus. None of us can be free until we hold on to the teachings of what the Bible teaches. Many of us have professed and found Christ, but we're stuck. We fall back and we begin to worship our circumstances. We stop worshiping God, we stop reading the Bible, and we start finding and feeling and going and pursuing our emotions. Well, you know, he kind of hurt my feelings that day at church. I kind of don't want to follow this stuff anymore. Oh, really? Is that what you're going to allow your faith to stand on? Guys, we're going to get our feelings hurt every single day. That's why we need God's love. Not people. People will fall short every day. I will leave and I will fall short every day because I'm imperfect. 
I need a Savior like Jesus. But we've given our past more, more attention. We've given our hurts and our, our past abuses and our past sins and our emotions more attention than holding on to the Word. Are your feelings more important than the truth? Excuse me. It's not about you. It's about God. God saying, until you say, give us free, until you come to me and say, I need help, you can't get help. Now, I love that about God. There's freedom in Christ. Amen? I love the freedom that we have. The freedom of choice. You can be here at 10 or be here at 1030. Up to you. You might miss some great singing, but it's your choice. You have freedom. You have options. But see, the truth is the investment that you're needing and requiring. But it's your choice. Jesus teaches that when we sin, we become a slave to sin. And we're no longer slaves to sin when you're following Christ. If you become a son or daughter of God through Jesus, then you're set free. But even as Christians, we can be imprisoned and shackled and not set free. We can go back to those wounds and those hurts and allow those things and worship those feelings rather than worshiping the truth. I love my wife so much. It's, Doug, that's what you feel, but what does the Bible say? Well, he hurt me. I understand he hurts you. But you don't follow Him. You follow Jesus. I think a lot of us need some perspective. Maybe it's just me being transparent and open. But I think a lot of you feel the same way. We start to nurse that hurt and that pain, that grudge. I mean, I can't believe you did that, so I'm going to hold on to that feeling and emotion. And what's it going to get you a week from now? You're going to be further away from that person and you're worshiping your feelings and not the truth. That's why He says, give us free. I think a lot of us, give us free. It's up to you to say, I need help. But I love Jesus because Jesus is talking to us about holding on to the truth. We remember the truth sets us free. We have freedom in Christ. Amen? Amen. Whatever your situation, always go back to holding on to what the Bible says. Don't hold on to emotions and feelings. That is not truth. That didn't die on the resurrection day. That doesn't resurrect from the dead. Your emotions were not there when Jesus died. Amen? So stop following them. Stop giving them all your attention and your feelings and your energies. And you come to church, you're like, (sighs) be open, be transparent, hold on to the truth, and the truth will set you free. Amen? Amen? You know, freedom in Christ means holding on to His teachings. That's my first point. Freedom in Christ means holding on to His teachings, not your feelings, not your hurts. You know, for me, I've been reading the book of Deuteronomy, but turn over to the book of Galatians. You know, sometimes in your Bible study, you're reading things, and you turn over to Scriptures, you're like, wow, that's a good Scripture. And I did that, and I turned over to the book of Galatians, and I got stuck there all week. So I I said, amen, let's go through the book of Galatians. and Turn over to the book of Galatians. I mean, the book of Galatians is is pregnant with amazing opportunity for us to learn. It's got so much meat and potatoes, you don't even know where to start. Don't even know where to start with the A1 sauce. You just go right into chapter 1. Chapter 2, chapter 3, chapter 4, man, you get the vegetables. You close off with some gravy in chapter 5. You get your fruit punch and you're like, woohoo, I'm filled with the teachings of Jesus. I'm filled with the truth. Not my feelings, not my hurts, not my past. Can I get an amen from somebody? Guys, let loose the chains. Some of y'all got to get some... Some relax a little bit and just go, man, you're right. I'm, I'm, I'm holding on to how I'm my composure and how I'm looking right now. Let go and let God work in your life. 
Stop holding on. Stop being so shackled by all these things going on in your life and hold on to something worthwhile. Hold on to something truthful. Hold on to the Scripture and just read it and trust that God will pull you through. Sometimes that's all you need is truth. But some of us, we just think it's, the Bible is meant for us to read like a fictional book in our class. No, the Bible is for meant you to put into practice. And when you're growing lethargic in your faith, I bet you you haven't put the Bible into practice. And so I was reading in Galatians and I got stuck in there and I, I was amazed at Paul who wrote the church to Galatia. He started the church in Galatia. He was fired up when he went on a mission journey. He said, this is my home. This is my family. He started the church. He took off. And he heard that there were some people trying to distort their faith. So I don't know about you, but if someone messes with my family, you're in some trouble. Now, number one, you're in trouble with God because I'm going to pray for God to smite you. Number two, I'm going to confront you and love you like the love of the Lord. But you know, when you do something to my family, you better watch out. My God will get my back. I don't have to buy a gun or a sword or anything else. I'm, I'm faithful that God will protect my family. But don't you dare tempt me. Amen? I'm not throwing any threats. I'm just saying that's how it is. That's how Paul was. You mess with my family? Uh, uh uh-uh. And so Paul comes in, guns a-blazing, with grace and mercy and love and and kindness and, and the truth of God. And it's a call to remind us to stay in the light. It's a celebration. Galatians chapter 3. Look at there. And I'm just going to read it and I'm going to share some comments. Amen? I was just, I was just so overflowed with just the freedom in Christ and I was so excited and encouraged by Paul's spirit and I was, I was so overwhelmed with like, wow, when you do read the word, you get so much more confidence. But it's when you don't, that's when you feel insecure. That's when Satan throws a, a, gimme, a jimmy rig on you and starts to make you feel more insecure about coming to church and more insecure about not being open. And I, and I appreciate just, just Paul's spirit of, oh, this is my family. Stop teaching my family wrong truth. Let's get back to the truth. And the Bible says in Galatians 3, 23, the Bible says, Before the coming of this faith, we were held in custody under the law, locked up until the faith that was to come would be revealed. So the law was put in charge of us until Christ came, that we might be justified by faith. Now that this faith has come, we are no longer under the supervision of the law. Amen? No more, no longer the Ten Commandments and all these things you got to do. It's, it's, it's now, it's not just the law, it's Jesus. Jesus replaced the law. Verse 26. So in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith. For all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. There is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, neither male nor female, for you are all one in Christ. Neither Male or female, for you are all one Christ. Excuse me, verse 29. If you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. Amen, brother. Lord, answer my prayer. Hallelujah. That's why it's great to be married to an amazing woman who loves Jesus. She saw me. Amen. I didn't even say anything. That's the Spirit. The Bible says in verse 1 of chapter 4, keep on reading. Amen. What I'm saying is that as long as heirs are under the underage, they are no different from slaves. Although they own the whole estate. They are subject to the guardians and trustees until the time set by their fathers. So also, when you were underage, we were in slavery under the elemental spiritual forces of the world. But when the set time had fully come, God sent His Son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law that we might receive adoption to sonship. 
Because you are His sons. God sent the Spirit of His Son into your hearts. The Spirit who calls out Abba, Father. So you are no longer slaves. Amen? Amen. But God's children. And since you are His children, He has made you also heirs. I love that God loves me and God loves you. Amen? Amen. But the thing I really appreciate about this passage is that in Roman society, verses 26-27, see it says, In Christ you are all children of God through faith. For all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourself with Christ. In Roman society, when a young kid was coming of age, they laid aside a robe that they were going to present when he hit those tween years, 12 to 13. And then they would put on a new toga. They would give him a new robe because he was growing up and he was maturing. He was becoming a man. And so really what this represents, his move from adulthood to citizenship with full rights and responsibilities in the family. So he's in the family, he's, he's got this robe, he's now maturing and being the, the right hand of the dad. But it's interesting because Paul combines his cultural understanding with baptism. He says, just like this son's being raised up and, and being anointed to be the right hand of the family and now taking on responsibility with the dad, so too as you become a disciple and you're clothed with Christ and you're baptized, then you are now my sons and daughters. And I can tell who my sons and daughters are by what they wear. By the clothes that they wear. Have you been dipped with the blood of the Lamb? Have you been baptized, immersed for the, for the, for, for the forgiveness of all your sins and been cleansed and restored back to newness? See, that's what Paul is trying to help them understand the customary and understand the whole conversion of following Jesus. By being baptized, we're becoming spiritually grown up. And now we're a part of the family. At different times we take off our robe, don't we? But God always gives it to us to hold. Gives it to us to wear. It's our choice whether we wear it or not. And I appreciate anytime someone wants to study the Bible and learn and put on these new robes and make these choices to say, I need to learn what it means to be a man. I need to learn what it means to be a woman of God. And what it means to be given that robe, that, 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 that anointing from God to say, this is my son, this is my daughter. I love him. I love her. Y'all appreciate Vince Castrojon. He's been studying the Bible with Ken Henry and Will and Ivan and Doyen and Brent and myself and Mo. And, and we've been studying the Bible with Vince. We've been getting in there, dealing with issues, dealing with life, dealing with his own faith and, and wrestling with his own upbringing. He's got a challenging life, as do we all. Amen? He's not alone. You're, you're amongst family, Vince, this morning. You're amongst my brotherhood, my brothers and sisters who care for you, who, who, who lay down our life for you, and as we've fed him, and as we've encouraged him, as we've, we've spoke the truth in love to Vince. And as Vince has been here tirelessly serving, he sets up, he puts the chairs up, he was helping us at the Hope Day, he was helping us all of our, I appreciate Vince's heart to respond to holding on to the teachings of God. And I tell you, it takes courage. It takes faith. It takes audacity and passion to want to respond to Jesus. And he's been drawing closer and closer to God. I mean, Doyne and Jackie, they opened their house. They said, hey, we're going to take you in. We're going to help you. We're going to love you. We're going to show you the love of the Lord. We're going to show you our family and share Noel and share share what we're doing. And we're going to share what's going on in our life because we care for you, even though you didn't have a mom and dad growing up. We're going to care for you. We're going to want to help you. We're going to show you the truth. And he's been going after study of the Bible. And he's growing closer and closer to God. And it's exciting that today after church, our dear brother is going to put a robe on. And we're going to go down. 
I got the address for you. To see an outdoor pool to have Vince become our brother in Christ. Vince, come on, stand up, please. Here's our brother going to be. Excited about him. Come on. He's trying to take the mic already. But you know, I appreciate Vince's passion. And it's our first baptism in the Cerritos Church of Christ. Metro East Ministries. Gateway Cities East. But you know what? It's going to be an awesome time. It's going to be at um, Tao and Eileen's uh, um, uh, place at the Cerritos Villas. The address is 16824 Sierra Vista Way. Please see me or, or Tao. But it's going to be after church following. We're going to drive over there. And we're going to see him put on the robe of Jesus. And being our brother in the Lord. And I'm so proud of his faith. And so encouraged by what he's going through. And so encouraged by... Just ask him his story. It'll bring you to tears. And not because he wants you to feel sorry for him. But because he's had a tough life. He doesn't have what some of you have. But I appreciate his courage and faith to say, I want to hold on to the teachings. I want to be free in Christ. You know, Paul also says in verse 3 through 7, and for, for time's sake we can't read it, he says, we're underage, we were in slavery under the set time and had fully come that God sent His Son Jesus. You know, Paul illustrates this of slavery to show that before Christ came and died for our sins, people were held in bondage under the law. They had no truth. They had nothing to, to alleviate their pain. And it's because of Jesus and His teachings that we can have truth. That we can have freedom and experience the freedom that God wants us to have. Amen? Look over in Galatians 5. We'll, we'll close out with my gravy and fruit punch right here. This is the, the gravy fruit punch chapter. And I was just so encouraged as I was reading it. As I was slicing and dicing up. As I was getting ready for uh, this sermon. I've got five more minutes. And uh, you know for me. I, I was reading this. I'm going to read the whole chapter. So listen here. It says. It's titled what? Freedom in Christ. Anyone love freedom in Christ? So number one, we've got to hold on to His teachings. Amen? And we've got to really understand the robe that, 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 that we've give, been given, that we need to put it on with, with, with pride. A healthy pride. This is my family. Hey, I'm here. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to fight the good fight of the faith. And so you've got to see, number one, we've got to hold on to His teachings. Number two, freedom in Christ means we've got to stand firm. Look what the Bible says in Galatians 5. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then. And do not let yourselves be burdened again by the yoke of slavery. Mark my words. I, Paul, tell you that if you let yourselves be circumcised, Christ will no longer be of value to you at all. Again, I declare every man who lets himself be circumcised that he is obligated to obey the whole law. You who are trying to be justified by the law have been alienated from Christ. See, you have fallen away from grace. But by faith, we eagerly await through the Spirit the righteousness for which we hope. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision has any value. Amen. Amen. I'm so grateful. It's not a matter of being circumcised or uncircumcised. And that's what Paul was most upset about here at his church. They had these false teachers say, well, you have to be circumcised because you're not Jewish. You're a Gentile. You have to be circumcised and then you can become God's people. That's not biblical. That's not true. And so Paul came in and said, hold up. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision has any value. Here's the thing. The only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. Actions. Belief. Putting feet to your faith. Doing something about it. Don't just talk about it. Don't just go to church. Live out church. 
Don't just read the scriptures. Practice what the scripture says. And your life will begin to change. See, you were running a good race. Who cut in on you to keep you from obeying the truth? That kind of persuasion does not come from the one who calls you. A little yeast works the whole batch of dough. I'm confident in the Lord that you will take no other view. The one who has thrown you into confusion will have to pay the penalty. Whoever that may be. Brothers and sisters, if I'm still preaching circumcision, why am I still being persecuted? In that case, the offense of the cross has been abolished. As for those agitators, I wish they would go the whole way and emasculate themselves. That's pretty intense right there. We're, gonna, we're just going to keep on moving. That's a speed bump right there. That's a devotion for the kids at a whole different stage of life. Amen? Verse 13, you, my brothers and sisters, you were called to be what? Free. To be free. To, to, to unshackle yourself. Let yourself free. Stop holding yourself back from growing and being the best for God. Whatever it is. You were called to be free. But do not use your freedom to indulge the sinful nature. Rather serve one another humbly in love. For the entire law, I love this, is fulfilled in keeping this one command. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. If you keep on biting and devouring each other, watch out. Or you will be destroyed by each other. So I say, walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the sinful nature. For the sinful nature desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the sinful nature. They are in conflict, conflict with each other, so that you are not to do whatever you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. The acts of the sinful nature are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, and debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the truth of the Spirit, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ have crucified the simple nature with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not be con- become conceited, provoking, and envying each other. I mean, this, this passage is just overwhelmingly full of golden nuggets. And I think for me, just the thing I love is that, number one, freedom in Christ is going gonna, is gonna to mean for us to hold on to the truth. Amen? But the second thing, freedom in Christ is going to mean for us standing firm. You've got to stand firm for your faith regardless of what happens. He says in the beginning, stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by the yoke of slavery. Don't go back to the old days. Don't go back to your past records. Don't go back to those things that you were mistreated with and abused. It's not about that. It's about following the truth. Amen? It's about moving. It's about growing. Some of you are so stunned in your own growth, you can't grow because you haven't been willing to move on. You haven't been willing to to give up their feelings and and you've been holding on to those things rather than holding on to the truth. Hold on to the truth. And then stand firm. Don't give up. Don't don't waver. Don't waffle. Stand firm. You respect someone who's going to stay in there even when the tough gets going, when the tough come. For me, freedom in Christ means standing firm. We all have vices, don't we? And we all have opportunities for us to grow in our virtues. You know, for me, when I think about sin, and here it says, I love this passage here. 
And then it talks about, you, my brothers, in verse 13, you were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the sinful nature. But the sinful nature is obvious, right? When someone cuts you off, let's check your heart. When someone wrongs you, let's check your heart. See, the sinful nature just is right there. It's waiting to say, give me some attention. And then I'll explode. And then you'll be angry. And then you'll, you'll hit them. And all these things happen. The sinful nature is obvious. It's hard for us to work on our sinful nature. But when I think of sin, I thought of a story about the Eskimos. They have a peculiar way of killing wolves for food. See, they coat the blade of a spear with the blood. And they dip it in water to create a coat of ice over it. And then they insert the handle of the spear into the ice or the snow with the blade standing outside. The wolves are attracted to the mere scent of the blood. They start licking the blade. The ice on the blade freezes their tongue. So they have no feeling even when the sharp blade cuts their own tongue and their tongues begin to bleed. See, they they continue to lick the blade more vigorously. Because the taste of their own blood spurs them on to want to lick more. And they're driven into temptations and challenges. For me, they continue to lick the blade more vigorously because the taste of their own blood. Because of which they lose so much blood, they lose all their blood and they fall dead unconscious. See, in the same way, we're driven into temptations and addictions and sin in this world. We lick it and it tastes so good. We start to give into it, and it's just, we're like, wow, this is, this is pretty good. No one's in, they're encouraging me, and they're, they're meeting my needs, and oh, well, they listen to me. And all these things, we go to food, we go to addictions, we go to drugs, and we start to make ourselves feel better. But then we yield, and we give in, and all of a sudden, before you know it, we're so numb, our senses, we've lost our senses. And we've lost our ability to comprehend what's right and what's wrong. Ultimately, we destroy ourselves because we start licking on that sin and we give all that sin the attention and we can't hold back. See, freedom in Christ means doing right, not wrong. Not only hold on to the teachings, number two, not only stand firm, but number three, freedom in Christ means doing right, not wrong. See, our wrong desires versus the right. Our wrong desires are evil, while our right desires are good. Our wrong desires are destructive, while our right desires are productive. See, our wrong desires are easy to ignite, while our right desires are difficult to ignite. Our wrong desires are difficult to stifle, while our right desires are easy to stifle. Our wrong desires are self-centered, while our right desires are self-giving. Our wrong desires are oppressive and possessive, while our right desires are liberating and nurturing. See, our wrong desires are sinful, while our right desires are holy. Our wrong desires are deadly, while our right desires lead to abundant life. See, freedom this morning in Christ is the privilege of those who are willing to obey what the Bible says. It's a privilege which carries many responsibilities. It's not an automatic right, Jesus said. You shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. Truth makes us free because it gives us understanding. Understanding helps us accept the necessary conditions, restrictions, and discipline which prevail if there's, not, if, if there's to be true freedom. To obey the truth of God's word makes us free from the slavery of evil habits. 
evil desires which harm us, and behavior which dishonors the Lord. Liberty is not the result of human achievement. It's the result of obedience to God. See, disobedience means the loss of freedom. If freedom is to be real and lasting, it must be controlled by love. Freedom to do as one pleases without regard for others or their circumstances is destructive and wrong. Christian liberty is a freedom to love and serve. Jesus says in Matthew eleven twenty eight, 28, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. You can't get rest unless you come to Jesus. Some of you, whatever you're shackled by, whatever's holding you back, freedom in Christ means holding on to His teachings. Amen? Amen. Freedom in Christ means standing firm, even when someone else won't do it with you. Freedom in Christ means doing right, not wrong. Let us today go out. Let us be changed. Let us be different. Let us be willing to allow others to help us be our best for God. And the most important thing, church, let us love the Lord our God with all our heart, mind, soul, and strength. And when we love each other as ourselves, God will be glorified. Amen? Amen. To God be all glory.